You are listening to Zero E Michigan with Carl Bloss and Larry Hudson. On this show, we try to explore and simplify what's happening with electric vehicles, energy generation, and zero emissions topics with a focus on our home state of Michigan. Together with our guests, we demystify topics related to driving electric in Michigan and how you can select, charge, maintain, and get the maximum value out of your EV. This podcast is sponsored by Consumers Energy and the Power My Drive program. Start your EV journey at consumersenergy.com slash EV. Learn EV basics like charging and cost savings. Then find your perfect EV. Partner with us for home charging installation. Get a $500 rebate on a home EV charger. Or get $10 a month simply for charging off-peak. Need more guidance? Talk to an EV specialist to help you through the process. Get started at consumersenergy.com slash EV. Welcome back to Craig Schultz on the announcement of the Aptera launch edition. I wanted to have a little chat. They, uh, Aptera had a, a live release of their launch edition. So there were a few surprises. And I wanted to talk about that. I'm a reservation holder. And by reservation holder, I mean, I have 100 bucks down. So this is not a big deal. I am interested in getting the vehicle, and I think Craig is too. We're all super psyched about the uh, about the efficiency, but the big surprise, I guess, if you will, is that the vehicle does not have DC fast charging. So, and to me, that's kind of a big deal. I flashed up a picture of the launch edition. They are going with the Luna, four hundred mile, all wheel drive uh edition but there's there's no dc fast charging uh and the full solar package and they released some pictures of it and it's 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 a rendition it's not a true uh, model that they've built yet they also went with the tesla charger aka north american charging standard but ac only and this is another was another surprise to me only 6.6 kilowatts of onboard charging so what that effectively means to me for a 400-mile vehicle, and when they say 400 miles, I think that's only at 55 miles an hour. So if you're going 70 miles an hour, you're going to get less range. In the winter, you're going to get less range. And the recharge time that they're claiming is 57 miles per hour, which about makes sense, right? Six kilowatts, about a mile per kilowatt hour um, of efficiency. So somewhere in that neighborhood, 60 miles an hour, 57, whatever you want to call it. And to me, that makes it no longer a viable road trip vehicle. I've since decided I am going to convert my reservation to the launch edition. I previously had 400 miles, two-wheel drive. Uh, I can't remember what else, a couple other things. But to me, the DC fast charging was the big deal. I always figured, well, if I can charge at 50 kilowatts, so that's 500 miles per hour of charging, then the range almost doesn't matter because I can charge so fast that I can charge and move on, you know, at a hundred miles in whatever it is, 12 minutes, something like that. But that's gone. It still bothers me a little bit, but I still like the fact that it's a super efficient vehicle and, uh, you know, it's going to have the solar and all that sort of things. So Craig, what are your thoughts on the launch edition and what, any ideas of what you think you might do in terms of your reservation? Well, my reservation, I made it specifically to um, 
get the, the best value on the vehicle as far as price point. Um, but when I optioned out my reservation, I went with just two wheel drive and I went with, I didn't need, uh, well, I didn't need three motors to give me this crazy acceleration in zero to 60 in four seconds. Zero to 60 in six seconds is faster than any car I've ever actually owned. So, I mean, I'd be very happy with that performance. And um, what about the Michigan aspect of driving on uh, snowy roads? Well, you know, that's a good question. Would would I drive this in the in the salt? Um, I and that's a really good question because is the vehicle the heating um, system going to be up to the task of driving it in the winter time? So that's something to think about. So in Michigan, with our climate. Would you would, would you drive yours? And I mean, this to me, it's a collector's vehicle. I mean, it's a very special. <laughs> I I think I would drive it in the winter. I'm not sure I would drive it in deep snow, but I would also want to know: Are there any deleterious effects of driving in salt on salty roads? Because you're going to get that salt spray underneath those wheel skirts and all that kind of fun stuff. And in addition to what you would normally have with any other vehicle, you now have in-hub motors. And how well are they sealed? And you know, is the salt water going to leak in there? That's a good question. But my, I would fully expect it to be at the very minimum a three-season vehicle, and maybe drive it a little bit in the snow and the slush, but not in deep snow. Right. Well, you know, deep any kind of snow is really going to hurt its range. It has a you know advertised efficiency of around a one hundred watt hours per mile, which is how we're getting that kind of range with a relatively small battery. Um, but if you start trying to plow any kind of snow with it, um, that's going to you know, really hurt your range. But, you know, but still, launch, as a commuter vehicle, do yeah, you care? Yeah, the, right? the, if launch you're just... edition, the launch edition has uh, 400 miles range, which is, wow, that's, I mean, that's like right up there with the best of the cars you can buy right now. How much would you pay for a Tesla with 400 mile range? Well, I'm I'm getting ready to pay you know, whatever the current price is for the Tesla, $55,000 for a 320 some mile yeah. range vehicle. But there's a different utility there, right? So I'm I'm not going to buy a Lucid Air with 520 miles range just to get that range. But absolutely, it's impressive. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And I'm willing to take a hit in the winter because I know that's how that works. I've road tripped with EVs in the winter. And I think it has super utility for that. It's just... You know, I, I used to make this trip from where I live in Muskegon to Pittsburgh, PA, quite a bit. It's 440 miles door to door to the person I was visiting. And now with the Aptera, that's already that kind of trip is in jeopardy. Right. And similarly, if you drive to, let's say, Chicago O'Hare, I think it's 200 miles, something like that. If I remember correctly, I looked it up the other day and I remember thinking, to make that trip to pick somebody up from the airport, which, you know, you can argue, you know, are you going to pick up one person, right? Because it's the yeah, Aptera only has one passenger. Um, to make that trip round round trip, go to the airport, come back without a charge is already, again, in jeopardy. Yeah. So, it, yeah, so the, the, the utility to me has changed significantly. You really have to look at what you're planning to use a vehicle for. So for... For me, whenever I'm starting to take a longer trip like that, I'm, you know, and I hate to say, it, you know, I'm still in a gasoline powered minivan, but, you know, when I'm going on longer trips, you know, we, it just gives us a lot more cargo capacity. So 
can you get you know a, to me the the only compromise i mean i i i agree that the the charging uh, the dc fast charging everybody seems to be upset about that so i don't know how i don't know how in their surveys they missed that feature but there's you know people like you are, are i think probably talking about the right thing it probably has to do with uh whether they have really good um, active cooling in the battery whether they want to be shoving a lot of electrons in that battery and whether they can cool it down um yeah so, i think we can I, you know we don't know the reason behind it but to me it does seem like it's an engineering decision right so you're fully familiar with this process you get to a point in a design and you say okay somewhere i gotta stop or i'm just gonna you know you get scope creep and at some point you got to stop and actually make the thing or or you're just going to keep bleeding money so i yeah. totally i totally get it from that standpoint right um and it sounds like they made the decision that either because of battery cooling or whatever uh module they would need to put into the vehicle to allow it to do dc fast charging they didn't have the space or again the cooling or they couldn't source it with today's you know issues with supply chain for whatever reason they made this decision now I think one way they could have combated that is by saying, we're going to take the AC charging level a little bit higher. Okay, This vehicle is so efficient that, you know, we now have vehicles regularly getting 10, 11 uh, kilowatts of onboard charging. I mean, just about every vehicle that you see now that's the modern vehicle, Tesla Model Y, uh, the Mustang Mach-E. Um, almost everything has got the 48 amp, in other words, 11.5 ish kilowatt onboard charger, which which in an Aptera would add over 100 miles of range per hour. So if you sit for half an hour and have a cup of coffee, you can you can put in another 50 miles. If they're saying that you're going to put in a 6.6 or whatever kilowatt onboard charger, now you're at 60 miles of hour, 60 miles per hour of range, and and that's what my Zero SRS does right now. And I and I struggle with that a little bit, and that's why I want to get the second six kilowatt onboard charger that Zero offers to get me twelve, because now my stops between rides are going to be much shorter. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, so anyway, that, that that was just my thought process, and and we're seeing you know, AC chargers that are now, you know, I, there's you an know 80 what? amp. You know, yeah. might, it might be their the voltage of their system that's their problem. If they're at a lower voltage battery. Um, and again, it's an engineering decision, but if they're at a lower voltage battery, then a lot of the, um, just like zero. Yeah. It, the DC fast charging is a hurdle because a lot of the D DC fast charging stations can't go to the lower voltage and it, to charge that directly. So mm -hmm. that, that, that would be an infrastructure issue, but so then it pushes them back into, like you're saying, the AC charging side of that. I mean, they could have. They could have just said, okay, well, if you want to have double the charging speed, you know, then there's an upcharge of an extra 500 bucks for that, you know, yeah, an extra or, charging well, or a couple model. thousand, which is, which yeah. is essentially what zero does, right? Yep. They, they have uh, on the, on the premium SRS or SRF, you have six kilowatts, six, seven ish kilowatts onboard charging. And if you want the, the second charger, you have to pay significantly. And I think it's somewhere around $3,000 or something like that. Plus you have to have a dealer installed. You know, they could do that. And and I think that could possibly solve the issues. But then you get back into space and cooling and all that other sort yeah. of thing that we don't know about what's going on. So anyway, well, that's, that's 
Yeah. It really comes down to use case. So Absolutely. Yeah. You know, Absolutely. what are you planning to do? You're really planning to road trip with this vehicle. And what do you, I mean, this is your road trip vehicle. I, yeah, I so mean, you, I was thinking, so I'm, again, my use case is uh, I'm a near empty nester. So, and I have friends all over the country. And at some point we wanted to visit a bunch of friends. And so now yeah. I, you know, it's going to be a struggle or you have to now say, okay, I'm only going to travel 300 miles in a day. And then I'm going to stay at a hotel that has level two charging and then I'm going to do another. And and that's not unreasonable, but that's not what I had in mind initially. Yeah. Yeah. So, so when the use case is a uh, long distance travel like that, then they really shot themselves in the foot. And the question is what percentage of the people who are interested in being, you know, the first customers for Aptera they're, that are actually have the money to be able to say, hey, I'm going to buy this vehicle with the risks associated with, you know, the first time that they've been in production with anything. My use case is I'm a regional, uh, you know, anytime I'm taking the longer trips, I'm thinking, you know, a different type of vehicle. So I've, um, in my fleet, I'm going to keep a long distance vehicle and, and, and the rest of my vehicles are going to be short distance because, man, I haven't done the statistics, but I it's like over ninety sure. percent of my trips. Right. This this vehicle would be have more range than anything I've I've been driving. I'd be tickled with just uh just the smaller two hundred and fifty mile range. So I actually spec'd out my reservation was for a, the smallest battery that was available with a two hundred fifty mile range, only two wheel drive, which saves the weight of the the in wheel motor. It saves the uh, the weight and the cost of the controllers to drive three motors and any cabling that's associated with that. And, but I did get all of, I went, my upcharge was for my having solar panels. Every solar panel I could get on the vehicle. I think that's a really, really interesting option. And certainly um, I guess I'm more into, I'd like to see our vehicles and our, our approach to vehicles uh at least for me, the vehicle would, by having limitations on the vehicle, it would, I would actually put limitations on my lifestyle to, to remind me that I need to slow down. I need to not be trying to travel thousands of miles a day. There's so much to see in every town you get to. Why wouldn't you stop, have a coffee? Your your car's actually charging in the sun. You know, it's like, slow down. He's like, hey, if there's someone sitting on their porch, stop. They're gonna they're gonna talk to you if you stop and they're driving. They're gonna be there for an hour anyway. George Jetson just arrived and he's like, wait, let's uh, you know, so what a way to meet people and to spread the word about, you know, the future that hey, there's a reason why I'm driving this vehicle that looks like it's from the future. It's because it, it, in order for us to have any hope of getting in balance with our ecosystem. And to actually not kill off all the other species on the planet and ourselves included, uh, we need to be thinking radically about the vehicles we drive, um, what they look like, and how efficient they are. And if the vehicle can just recharge itself by actually driving a bit slower and stopping more often, we don't need the DC fast charging. In fact, I think that that's a, that's a, that's a needed change in our lifestyle. That we need to slow down. Uh, maybe maybe it shouldn't have any any charging at all. We can't connect just the, the solar. Yeah, it's you know the whole point of the car is we need to get in balance. If you can't 
if the solar panels can't charge the car enough for you to get where you're going, well, maybe you shouldn't be going there. Or maybe, you know, you just need to slow down on your way. You know, when we used to okay. drive light horses, you you didn't ride your horse into the ground. You'd stop and let it graze, uh, get it some water. And uh, we need the same thing, I think, in our lifestyles as a chance to slow down the pace, uh, take a little more time, meet people along the way. Um, I, you know, that that's the treadmill that I've been trying to get off for the last half of my life is this rush, rush of always trying to get to work on time. You know, I, I remember getting up in the morning, four in the morning, going for a run in the dark, getting in my car, rushing to work to get there on time, you know, working all day long. And then, you know, it's dark by the time I'm leaving work to come home. I'm driving home in the dark. It's like, whoa, well, something's wrong, you know? So at least, at least if I can like scale back so I can enjoy seeing the sunrise in the morning when I ride and drive into work. And just, uh, I, I guess I wouldn't want to see the sunset on the way home from work. I'd prefer to see sunset from, uh, Depends you Depends know, on what time of year. Here in Michigan, yeah, it's like 5.30 anyway. With my family <laughs> or something. Yeah, to enjoy enjoy the, enjoy um, the earth as, as for its beauty that it is. And, what, and I think you're bringing up an interesting point that we didn't cover in our EV efficiency point that I I'd actually hope to cover, yeah. the Jevons Paradox. So... What is that? You you know what that is? And well, what, yeah, what does it, it mean? It, what does it mean it, in terms of what you just said? Well, <laughs> you and I are a classic example of this. Uh, you know, as we've gotten into our electric motorcycles, I know that when I built my first electric motorcycle that was streamlined and had almost a hundred mile range, I started riding the motorcycle. I'd be going on all these extra drives and stuff. The Jeffrey's paradox is as as we get more efficient, we actually just consume more. We drive more miles. So if if the uh, vehicle we're driving is very efficient, so the fuel cost is very low, then we don't worry about the fuel cost. Right, anymore. we don't conserve. We actually use more. Yeah. Right? So then, and that's the paradox. Yeah, and so that there's a good feedback loop with the fuel cost being high, whether the the price per gallon is uh, higher, or if you know we have a. It, the whole point is that our pocketbook regulates our lifestyle to some extent, and that that actually can be a good thing. And so, you know, having this vehicle that gets the equivalent of 300 and almost 350 miles per gallon equivalent, the fuel cost is going to be almost nothing. And then uh, with the and then you start using it more, right? And then we're still using more energy. And that's yeah, back yeah, to your yeah. point that now yeah. we're charging and using more energy. So I think that's a great point. So maybe maybe I need to look in the mirror and say, you know, I know maybe I don't need to be driving this much. Well, you would chart maybe, you'd, you'd chart, look at a different metric. Maybe you should chart your miles per year that you're traveling. Um, more importantly, I think you would look at energy, although that's the Jevons Paragos, because you, if you look at miles per year, so I don't know. I, yeah, now I can, <laughs> compared to a Tesla Model 3, you can drive this vehicle three times more for the same amount of energy, right? Yeah. But But then you're not saving anything. The launch edition is not what you had spec'd. What, what what's your thought as far as do you, are you going to stick with your original reservation and wait, or are you interested in in getting the launch edition just so you can get it into your grubby little hands a little bit sooner? Yeah. Well, there's there's a lot of reasons we we purchase vehicles, and they're more than just transportation. Um, but uh, for for me. Um, I'm looking at the price point. You know, my the way I have mine spec'd out, it's twenty around twenty five thousand. 
It was five thousand yeah. dollars less than the launch edition. What's yeah. the launch edition? The launch edition is thirty-three thousand two hundred. Okay. So yeah, mine thirty-three two. Yeah, I checked mine today. Mine's at twenty-eight thousand. So that's mm -hmm. actually um so five thousand ish cheaper. Yeah, but you know, five five it's it's like twenty percent less, right? Savings. Yeah. yeah. But you so might not get it now till I mean, who knows with the production, right? They're saying about a year from now for the launch edition. And so that's that would be January, February 2024. And yeah. I think they said they want to make five thousand, something like that. And said, well, okay. But anyway, let's think, let's just assume think, that that's gonna happen. Yeah, that would put we, the other editions end of 2024. Yeah. So to me, there there's a trade-off. One is uh, because they're a launch company, I think that there's a, there's a lot of risk associated with it if you wait. You to me, this this vehicle is is changing fundamentally how we what we think looks good as far as a vehicle or and so um i think it's a collector's edition vehicle and i'm i'm concerned about whether the company actually will make it past the first five or or ten thousand vehicles before they run into some financial issues let's face it the next few years are going to be pretty rocky financially for everybody in any case but especially a startup company um, but so if you want, if you desperately or you you want to be able to get your hands on one, I think that you definitely should go with the launch edition. There's more chance that you can get one. And uh, but then the cons for getting that launch edition is there's going to be some bugs. There's going to be some things that probably be some recalls. Um, and if the company does go out of business, then, you know, you're going to have to work with your local electronics experts to be able to keep that vehicle functioning. That's you, by the way, just so you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's people like me. And that's not a problem. I, I think that this vehicle will actually always increase in value just because it's the first of its kind. So I think it's a it's a wise investment to get into it early. But for me, it's also a wise investment to... Uh, to wait, because I, I guess I'm looking at, you know, if I get half the battery, that means that twice as many of the vehicles of my spec can get on the road. So I'm also, um, you know, while I'm an early adopter or maybe a, an evangelist, I don't always like to be on the first edition of software to have all the bugs and all the things getting worked out. I guess I'd like to see those things worked out before I get my vehicle. And there's some durability issues that we're going to find with any new vehicle platform. Um, so yeah, there's, there's pros and cons. And besides that, I'll be able to get to ride in yours, Carol. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and then when I get impatient with the, with the charging, then I'll sell you mine and I'll buy the new one with the DC fast charger. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Right. So no, All I right. think, well, I think it's a yeah. great vehicle. And I think that, uh, you know, for the efficiency and for the statement that it makes, um, I think you're going to have a ton of people asking, like you said, when you pull over, you know, people see that now with the Arkimotos, which are out there, you know, you, you can't go anywhere, even, you know, the newer vehicles that are fairly standard. Um, you know, we had a discussion with Luke Wilson about his Ford Mustang, and he said everywhere he went, people are asking about it. They'll stop you at the charger and, and ask you all about it. And I, I mean, I remember that I had one of the first uh, Eagle Talons uh, in 1990, which was, a, you know, essentially a Mitsubishi Eclipse rebadged, and it was a radically different vehicle. And I remember going on a road trip with it. I was on a ferry somewhere and there was a Ferrari next to me and everybody clustered around my car because they had never seen one before. And I thought that was kind of cool, you know, being a young man. It's like, oh, I'm the center of attention. So, yeah, you, yeah you're definitely going to get that with the Aptera. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you 100%. It's it's going to draw more attention than, you know, any supercar will. And that's a, a both a pro and a con. It kind of boosts sure. your ego. But at the same time, it's uh, it becomes but, a pain in the butt if you're just going to get milk. So you're going to have to keep that other car. Just I just want to go get milk. I don't want to. Yeah. I'm going to have to take a cooler with me so the milk doesn't go bad while I'm talking to people. <laughs> um, but obviously, you know, we, we're both uh, into EVs and, and we want to evangelize about that. So I think there is an opportunity there to tell people about efficiency and, and all these sorts of things and i think i and i think those are worthwhile discussions and people rethink how how they drive you know you tell people e- even now with with evs if you tell people well, this is five cents a mile and if you drive a regular vehicle it's 15 to 20 cents a mile yeah. and suddenly it's like oh wait it only costs you 10 bucks to fill this thing up that's amazing maybe i need to look into this after all and i think those are those are really great conversations to have yeah yeah, and, and I, people are watching us. Uh, people, we, you know, Carl, we, with your your electric vehicles, and I know people in my family. You know, I've had my electric cars for many years, and they've been watching. They've been waiting. It's like, is that really going to work? You know, is it going to wear yeah. out? You know, is it? When's he going to have problems? And yeah, and when's now the battery going to fail? Right. That's yeah. So now they're coming to the conclusion. It's like, oh well, yeah. I guess uh, it's 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 worked out. You know, they're reliable. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm. I'm willing to actually think about buying one now. So we're on to the next thing. And that's this, yeah. what do we call the shape of the Aptir? I, I think, I don't want to call it a penguin. I, I think it looks better than that. I think it looks more well, like Well, I a, think, a doesn't Aptera in Greek mean something like flightless bird? Isn't that what it is? It's more like a dolphin because of the tail that it has, right? It's okay. got a horizontal tail. Flightless bird is a penguin. Is it? <laughs> no there bird. you go. It's a penguin. Okay, that's not the. That's not exactly what you want to go for marketing. Well, you know, <laughs> Linux does are, that. Yeah, penguins are really good in the water, though. They swim yes. great. Yeah, right. They're super sleek. Well, good. I'm, Thank I'm, you. I'm yeah. rooting for you. I hope that you get the first one in West Michigan, and that uh, that I get to ride around there with you. <laughs> and then when I get mine, we can have a fuel economy competition, and hopefully. Uh, Hopefully, I can edge you out because because uh, your, yours will be lighter weight. Mine will be lighter weight, and that's and and two wheel drive. To, to be honest, I I w- I really wanted the two wheel drive. I didn't need the three the three, but to me, that's the only well, other than the DC fast charging, that's the only concession really. It it was it's more or less the spec that I wanted, but I wanted faster charging. But yeah. like you said, maybe I need to slow down my life and say. You know, I need to spend a little bit of time in this little town that I'm now forced to be in because I can't go any further. And uh, and if I can't charge at a level two charger, I'm going to hit the local campground and sleep in my vehicle and charge on a 50 amp RV plug. And in the morning, it will be full. Yeah. So. Yeah. There's only one thing that will draw more attention than an Aptera. And that's two Apteras <laughs> when we're on a camping trip, heading to uh, heading to the middle of nowhere with our solar yeah. cars. Norhouse Dunes, right? Yeah, that'll be awesome. All right, Craig. Well, thanks for taking the time to speak to me. And uh, yeah, we'll do it again sometime.